Hello and welcome to the latest Forever Blue podcast. I'm Ian Cheeseman and this is a show all about Manchester City and celebrating the Manchester derby on this particular occasion and looking ahead to the Liverpool game. So quite a tumultuous little period in Manchester City's season. Um, before I introduce my guest for this week, uh, let me say a big shout out to Counting King, who are specialists in R&D tax credits. That's research and development. Uh, they specialise for any company, any company that you might be involved in or run yourself who are listening to this. Uh, they can save you a shed load of money uh, and all perfectly legitimately because they know what they're doing. They also sort out business loans and other financial stuff connected to businesses. So look them up, Counting King, the based, based at Salford Keys. Uh, just outside Manchester, of course, and Gary, who is their uh, impresario, Gary and Sam are the two that run it, will be delighted to speak to you and help you in any way they can. And I know I've had a couple of experiences with them now, and they know what they're talking about. Also, thanks very much to AMR Development, who are developing the Pyramid next to the M60, the Manchester Ring Road, and it's looking fabulous, and uh, so they're supporting me as well. So big shout out to them. Uh, now, my guest this week... Ah, the one and only Rodney Marsh, uh, former City player um, who broadcasts these days on Sirius in the United States, but has been on Talk Sport, uh, Soccer Saturday, of course, on Sky, played with fantastic aplomb for Manchester City, also England, Queen's Park Rangers, Fulham. Uh, been on I'm a celebrity. There's nothing he hasn't done, this fella. Um, so I'm delighted to have Rodney, who I, from time to time, um, in, on his show in Sirius, which I'm uh, always grateful to be part of and will be this week, actually. So if you're a listener in, in the States, have a listen at uh, four o'clock East Coast time on Tuesday and you'll hear me waxing lyrical on there with Rodney and I assume Tommy Smith is sidekick. Um, but also we've got um, two members of the Forever Blue team. We've got Harlan and we've got Adam. Uh, Adam W, I'll call him, because uh, we've got a couple of Adams that come on. And it's great to see Adam back on, not been on for a little while, but always great to have him as part of the team. So let's start, Rodney, by talking about this Manchester derby. I know you will yeah. be watching it uh, laying by the pool in Tampa. So what did, what did you make of it? Oh, my goodness. <clears throat> How long we got, Ian, by the way? Because, an hour. Um, <laughs> You've got an hour. <laughs> yeah. I, I've, I found it. Uh, I found it very intriguing. I found it a very intriguing football match. Um, the first 20, 25 minutes went exactly as I thought it would, with Manchester United playing. You know, sometimes everybody back behind the ball, uh, trying to defend and trying to soak it up. I thought that was going to happen, and then trying to get a long ball out and get on the end of it and try and do something, which they did. Uh, Anana's like 70 yards down the field, Fernandez and a brilliant strike by, by uh, Rashford. I thought a well-taken goal, actually. Um, but then, but then I don't know what it what happened in the game. I don't know what the dynamic was. Maybe it's because Manchester United just ran out of legs chasing the ball. But um, they got tireder and tireder and tireder. And the more they got tired, the better City played. And in the end, of course, um, Phil Foden, well, what a time he's having. Phil Foden, by the way, what a ma magnificent again, again, and has to be in the starting England lineup when when the, the Euros come around. So you add all that together, Ian, and my my bottom line would be, it was inevitable that Manchester Manchester City would win the game, but I thought United with their system of all back behind the ball, two two blocks, low blocks, and trying to 
shut it down. And Anana made a couple of good saves as well. You add all that together and you get um, probably a very predictable outcome. Now, I know that if we were to play a game of saying who would you swap from the United team and who would you swap the City team, especially Nobody. after after, after a derby victory like that, you wouldn't swap anybody. But in theory, um, there might be an argument to say that the, that the players man for man and not that dissimilar. Now, I know people will be ridiculing me for saying that, but, but the reason I mention it is because you've got to give all the credit, surely, to Pep Guardiola. I mean, I don't know how he makes the team collectively so strong, so good. They've won the treble, they've won five trophies, the big five trophies in 2023, and yet they play like their lives depend on it, and they all play for each other. How... Do they achieve that, Rodney? How does a team achieve that? Well, uh, that's a, a, a very complex, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Devious, devious answer to that. And I'll tell you why. Because if you look over the years that Pep Guardiola has been there, uh, he has been magnificent. And I'll hold my hands up straight away on that. But I would say this. He seems to, as soon as there's a player that don't buy into what he's doing, he chucks them out, gets rid of them straight away. And that's happened five or six times. The one that I always point to was Leroy Sane, who I thought was a lovely, lovely player, but he didn't fit in with what Pep wanted to do, so he outed him. So Pep Guardiola not only is a great coach, not only is he the best coach in the world, in my opinion, and he will go down in history as one of the greatest coaches there's ever been, but not only that, he knows when to dump players. And uh, so you add that together, Ian, and I think there's another final point I, I want to make, and that is this. I think that if Pep Guardiola was managing Manchester United today, he would have done a much better job with Manchester United. <laughs> well, I don't think that's hard to say, really. Uh, I, and I know exactly what you mean. Uh, just before I bring the other lads in, just just what do you think now? In, where does this leave in the, City in the title race before before City went into this game against United? I thought they got to win today. If they win and they yeah. win in a, in a good way, that will yeah. bounce them into the game at Liverpool. But if they'd slipped up today, which at one point it looked like they might, although I always believed they would come back, that would set up the game next week very, very differently. How do you see the title race? Um, good question. Good question. I think it's it's not as obvious. They were odds-on favourites, by the way, at one point. City were odds-on favourites to win the Premier League. Um, not sure that's the case anymore. Um, Liverpool, to me, look like they're a real proper team this year. So they're going to be a problem. Um and the only thing, Ian, that I would, and I always throw this into the mix, and that is, could, could Man City handle three or four bad injuries at this time? I know they've had uh, Kevin De Bruyne out. I know Harlem was out for some time. I know other players are out. But at this moment in time, they seem to be flying. Um, but if Foden picks up a six-week injury, if, if uh, Harlem has another period, and, and even Kevin De Bruyne... Would they be able to handle that? And I'll tell you why I say that is because Liverpool have. Liverpool have been decimated by injuries. In fact, against Chelsea, they were playing a lot of young players and they still beat Chelsea. So that's the only thing that I can see, if it goes that way, can City handle it. Other than that, you're confident they can win it? 100%. 
Adam, um, tell me your thoughts on today's game. Yeah, I thought for the first half, even though we were 1-0 down, I didn't think we were looking too bad. So we were all deflated at half-time, but if that would have been 0-0 and Rashford hadn't scored the great goal that he scored, I think we'd have all been all right with it. So then you're sort of going in at half-time, feeling quite deflated about it, as I say. But in reality, we were playing okay. United could have actually got two or three on the break in the first half. I thought we were quite open. Even though we had all the ball in the first half, we did look like we were really open and susceptible to you know conceding a couple of goals. Well, second half, we, we tightened it up at the back. We then became even more dominant in the first half, which I didn't think was possible, actually. But we still managed to become more dominant and then, and then turned it round. So I don't think we played really bad today. We just conceded an early goal and then ended up being part of a game that we didn't want to be part of. We wanted to dominate and either be at nil-nil or be ahead. Um, so we, we got sucked into a game that we didn't want to play, really, for the first half and then up until we got the equaliser. And then as soon as we got the equaliser and then went 2-1 ahead, then it became more of a game that we'd expect, we expect it to be in the first place. So it was all about getting the points today. We got them, um, not in the way that we'd like to have got them, but, I mean, like I say, it was about getting the three points in the derby and that's the way it worked out, yeah. How much was it, do you think, was down to willpower? Oh, yeah, a lot. But, but I, think, I think United showed good willpower today. I don't, I don't think... I didn't look at that United team today and think they didn't put enough in today. I, I just felt that we were better than them and that was it. But I, I, do, felt, I do feel like that they really did try today. I don't think their, their, their fans can say that they weren't in it or they didn't feel like they really want, they fancied it today. I did feel like that. So, um, I, no, I wouldn't say it, down to, it was down to willpower. I think it's down to just us being the better team and having the better coach and, and playing the better football, really. Team's the key word, isn't it? I mean, when you look at Bruno Fernandes, who we see snatches of on TV because we're not United fans, you do see him at different points in the game, uh, not exactly switching off, but not engaging like City players do. You know, as soon as a, a City player makes a mistake, it's like three or four like worker bees just sort of swarm around the ball, win it back. And then instantly people start charging forward at breakneck speed. There is never a drop in that intensity, is there? No, true. I think, yeah, that's down to the the intensity of the manager, I guess. And um, yeah, may, maybe, maybe it is willpower. I don't know. I think, I think the players, United players really did want to win today and they showed that, but I think our system is just, and, the fact that we've built it over the past six or seven years, the standards don't drop. Whereas United standards are starting to build now, and they've been lo they've been low for so long that they can come out today and play the way they did and not feel like they had a bad game, and us perhaps not feel like they had a bad game because we're so used to what they're used to, uh, we're so used to the, the the way that they play. So yeah, perhaps yeah, we are just naturally more intense than them. But it felt like it didn't feel like they had a they had a bad game. But I guess that's by their standards compared to by our standards. If we were to have played like they did, then we'd obviously ask more questions. But I think United didn't show themselves up today. We thought we might. We thought they might, but I don't think they did. Rodney, how important is willpower and intensity in football? Um, it's crucial. Um, there, there are two elements to that question as well, Ian. And I, I always like to. When I'm talking to young players, I always like to, to use this analogy, and that is this. 
um, willpower and desire and enthusiasm, you've got two ways of looking at that because you have the collective and you have the individual. You know, collectively, if you've got a team like City are at the moment pulling in the same direction, you know, and you've got great skill and you've got great players, to your point, that's fantastic. But individually, if you've got one or two or three players that are not pulling their weight, like I don't think Marcus Rashford has for Manchester United for the last 10 games uh, that I've seen him play, even though he scored a wonder goal today, I think his attitude is scandalous, personally. Um, and you can't be successful, even with good players, if you're not pulling in the same direction. One more final point uh, about um, what Adam was just mentioning about um, about the, the, the team setup, and that is, I thought Pep Guardiola today made a fantastic substitution. When he, when he brought um, Julian Alvarez on, it was the right time, at the right way, and it was almost like, he came on like a, he was like on fire. And I thought, I thought he was brilliant. I thought, I thought Julian Alvarez was brilliant when he came on. That's down to the manager, Ian. Harlan, what did you make of it? Um, give us your thoughts. Well, just before Rodney made that point, Ian, I was going to talk about Alvarez. Um, and I, I actually thought that Alvarez did more in the game this afternoon than, than Arlen did all game, actually. Uh, granted, Alvarez didn't score a goal. Haaland got a goal. It was a gifted goal. Fantastic finish. Brilliant finish into the bottom right-hand corner. Really well finished. He's he's, he's almost made it his trademark finish now. Uh, I've watched it back a few times since I've been home. Uh, and it, it's an exquisite finish. Um, but we, we'd already pressured United into a, 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 a part of the pitch there. You know, we put them under pressure. They knew that they were losing the game at that point. You know, we weren't going to throw, throw it away at 2-1. Um, and, and as a team, we pressed them into submission where the ball was was given away by Amrabat and, and, and Harlan's capitalised on it. But Alvarez, for me, having to sit on... I know it's I know it's tactical and I know it's he's looking for Erling to do big things in big games to grow that confidence in big games and in big moments. But Alvarez is sitting there, having come from River Plate, scoring, being the main man up top, week in week out, playing as a nine, playing as a ten. Um, his record, goal-to-game ratio record is a joke when you look at how, how involved he's been. You look at the assist that he's got and you look at his all-round involvement, as Rodney eloquently said then. He's a game-changer, but he's a game-changer from the start of games if he's starting games for me. And Pep has had to accommodate him because he didn't want to take him out of the team, which has meant that Foden's had to go and play out wide or either either on the right or the left. Obviously, we saw him switch today. But but if Alvarez was playing up, up, up front as the nine, that would make room for somebody else, as he sometimes was when Erling was out. And I, I, I personally just prefer how we play without Erling in the team. I do. I just do. And I'm not going to change my mind on that. You know, he, he scored five in midweek. I thought three of them he should have scored. You know what I mean, it, and and it, and it was in a game that are we are we honestly seriously saying we should be going to Luton in the cup and struggling? You know, I'm not being expectant, but with the chances we created, even today, we should be scoring threes and fours in games, fives and sixes. We we, we are that good. Um, I think Erling is an unbelievable striker, and I've had a couple of people on Twitter 
I've tried to come back since I made the comments I made, which I have been backed up on a few times, that have said, oh, you like a mug, oh, you know, look how stupid you look, this, that and the other. Well, no, because today he was quite inactive at times. I thought he looked quite lethargic today, actually. I thought he was quite ineffective. Uh, obviously, he misses the big chance, which for me, he should be scoring. It's them big goals in big games. Does he score number two to make it 2-1? He scored number three when the game was was won. Um, yeah, I, 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 I do think that, that that he's an unbelievable goal scorer. He's a fox in the box and he's unbelievable between the posts. But in terms of what he does off the ball and in possession of the ball for me in build-up, I, I stick to my point that I made three weeks ago on the vlog here and I think that he he is a, he's a slight hindrance. However, his statistics somewhat kind of rebuff me a bit. But then again, um, I, I stick to my point because statistics can mislead as well. Overall, the game was was one of those today, wasn't it? Where we we went into it with a bit of pressure. We knew Liverpool managed to nick a, a late winner yesterday, which, you know, as frustrating as it is, you know, I, I honestly personally believe that there is there is a gearing up right now, you know, led towards them potentially going winning that 21st title. We've got to fight against that. We've got to fight against the opponents that we're playing week in, week out. And, you know, we'll probably say it once once more each in this podcast. But we've got to we, we've got to focus on what we're doing. We'll keep winning the games, keep putting in the performances, keep being relentless. You know, we weren't our absolute best today. And I do I do back Adam up. I thought United were quite good at, at, at keeping us out. They knew knew what to do and, and almost executed the game plan to 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 to, to perfection. Um but the quality outshone um, what they had in their armoury in the end and Foden's street footballer-like behaviour on the football pitch was excellent. Well, let me game. circle back now to, to Haaland because um, what Rodney won't know and some people listening to the podcast not, won't necessarily know is what you were saying on the vlog, which was to be fairly critical of him as you just have been there. So I'd be fascinated to hear what Rodney's got to say. Statistically... Haaland is the best striker in the world now, at the moment. You can't really argue about that. He's almost got a goal a game. Same sort of statistics that you would have seen from Ronaldo at his peak. But there is a, a debate to be had, uh, if you think it's a wor worthwhile debate, on as to whether Haaland is, is in the bigger games, of which today arguably was one of the bigger games, even though... United started the game virtually mid-table, but nevertheless, you know we see them as a as a big rival. Is Haaland, you know, is he worthy of his start automatically in every big game purely on the statistics? What do you think, Rodney? It's um, it's a fascinating question, and I'll tell you why. Um, you're not talking about the, the value of the player in terms of how much he costs and, and what was the transfer fee. You're talking just purely about playing football, okay? Now then, if you sign Erling Haaland after you've lost Sergio Aguero, I thought Sergio Aguero was one of the best goal scorers I've ever seen. So you go out and replace him with uh, Erling Haaland, okay? You've got to play him. You got to play him because if you don't, you kind of everybody's going. Well, what'd you get him for? <laughs> you, you know, um, you brought in the best goal scorer in the world to play for you. 
And the argument against that would be, well, he doesn't help the team when he's not scoring, okay? And the argument against that is, well, he's always scoring. <laughs> so it's, it's, kind, it's kind of a, uh, you see where I'm going with this, Ian? It's kind of a, uh, a catch-22. You know, you, you, you sign him so you've got to play him, or you don't sign him in the first place. That's what I, that's what I think about that. So straightforwardly, uh, in the Liverpool game, Anfield next week, and once City get through to the quarters and the semis and the final of the Champions League, if they play Liverpool or United at Wembley in the FA Cup, he absolutely is a starter and you expect him to be as impactful in those types of games as he is against Luton, as he is, might be against the so-called weaker teams in the Premier League. That's for me? Yeah, yeah. Um, that that's that's a that's a difficult question. That, that's not as simple as you make it out to be, Ian. And, and, I, and I explain I explain myself. When you at the late end, and I know this personally, by the way, at the at the business end of the season, you're playing a game pretty much every three days. Okay. To make an analogy, I saw two players playing today who should not be playing Premier League football, in my opinion, because of, of, their, of, of their fitness level and their age level. And that's Evans and Casemiro. I don't think they should be playing professional football uh, at, the, at this level, right? When you come into the final games of a season and, and, and you, you know, you're every three days, you don't have time to train. You have a game, you have a day off, you have a rest, you, you, you know, you have a little practice the game day before, and, it, and it, it's like on and on and on. Now then, in Pep Guardiola's mind, he will have in his mind his best team for the biggest games, okay? And some Mate, of those games... We saw that today, didn't we? I mean... 100%, 100%, 100%. Um, so there's going to come games along the way, going into the final third of the season where he's going to say, well, I can't keep on playing him. I can't keep on playing him. I've got to give him a bit of a rest. There's another side to that coin as well. Can anybody explain to me why Kovacic was signed as a replacement for Ilkay Gundogan? There you go. Well, let the other two lads have a go at that one. Who wants to have a go at uh, Kovacic? Go on, Harlan. Or me. Uh, I just thought he was brought into, and we saw it at Burnley first game of the season. He, he looked okay, and, and obviously Kovacic's USP is, I say USP, it's not universal in, in that sense because obviously other players in the world do it. But for him, I always, I've always thought he's, he's got a bit of aggression. He's got that Croatian aggression to him every time he's come up against England in tournaments. He's looked good. Um, you know, he's played at Real Madrid. I think he was brought in Rodney actually Kovacic because of his experience in Europe because of his pedigree, because of his experience at winning big competitions and winning a lot of titles and, and bringing extra mentality to the to the fore when it comes to the back end of the season. Because obviously yeah. he was going for the title every year with Barcelona. So I think that there's there's that side of it with Pep Guardiola as well, I think, where where he's probably seen him with with um you know cheeky and thought, yeah, he's a bit of a bit of us because he'll bring that extra aggression to, to wanting to win. Because he's a, he's yeah. a serial winner. Also, yeah, but, the fact that he's quite calm as well. And I know what you're 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 potentially going to say about him, Rodney. If I jump ahead, that that maybe he looks slightly lethargic at times, looks slightly too slow for a city team. But I think he does keep things ticking, and he is quite 
clever in how he manages the ball. But if the question is, is he a direct replacement for Ilkay Gundogan? Absolutely not, because he doesn't he doesn't arrive late like Gundogan did. He doesn't. I don't think he can break low blocks down as eloquently as Gundogan could. I don't think he's got that passing range that Gundogan had. But then going back to our point before, Erling Haaland isn't a direct replacement for Sergio Aguero because they are very, very different players. Listen, I love the guy. My point is, going back to Haaland, um, I just sometimes feel that when we look at... And Adam was on the podcast with us regularly during the COVID seasons and during, during the time just before that and just after that, when Aguero was injured and in and out of the team, we won the league unbelievably playing fluid football without a striker. And we were all actually saying, as good as this Haaland lad is, do we really want to resort now to going out and buying a number nine? We've proven we can do it both ways. I'm just saying that sometimes maybe Haaland could move out of the side, Alvarez could play as a nine, and it would open up a spot for somebody else to come in and help create yeah. know, much more spectacular goals, maybe. Can I, can I just go back quickly, guys? to the point that Ian was making about when it comes down to it, uh, about players that are going to play and players that are going to be on the bench. Um, I believe in the big games that players like Kovacic won't be in the, in the games. Um, but I do believe Haaland will. And that's just my take on it. I could be wrong. Well, City play Copenhagen on Wednesday. We're going to see Oscar Bob, Rico Lewis, Stefan Ortega in goal, probably Kovacic, probably Alvarez leading the line. We're going to see a very, and uh, presumably Ankanji will come back in. Maybe um, uh, Gomez will play at left fullback. It's going to be a very different team. Um, Adam, Adam, what's your take on this? In terms of Wednesday, in terms of what we're talking about, Kovacic and Haaland and and what your strongest yeah. eleven is. I mean, certainly this, the eleven well, he picked today from the start, the only player that yeah. I'm not saying I would, but but the only player that might have started today was Grealish instead of Doku, um, yeah. or eventually it became Alvarez instead of Doku. That to me is the only area of the team at the moment where anybody might argue about that. That, the strength of that team in the biggest games. Yeah. Therefore, you've seen it today, and I would imagine the team you see at Anfield will be very similar to the one that played today. Yeah, the, the only difference I would make is obviously if, if Grealish was fit without Grealish over Doku. So I think that's a very much nailed on first eleven. I don't mind us having that as well. I think it's good to go into the final month of the season knowing who your best eleven are. I think when we went towards the treble last season, I pretty much knew who I wanted in my eleven anyway, and it turned out to be the eleven that then played in those games. Uh, well, aside from Walker, who came in against the big wingers, for example, but in general, Pep knew who his eleven was. So I think, yeah, we've got a top eleven. Uh, when Grealish comes back, he's in there for me. And then you've got those other players who are fringe players who will come in to play those other games, you know, the the Copenhagen game on Wednesday, like you say, we filled with other players, but that's to give the the big guys who are going to be playing in the game at Anfield a rest. And they're important too, because if you don't have those, then you're forced to play the other players in those games and they won't be up for the big one that you're waiting for at the weekend. So I think it's strange at City now, in the past couple of years, you have sort of seen a bit of a two-tier system to the way that we play. You do feel like there is favourites and that we do sign people to be sort of second tier so 
like I know Phillips massively underachieved and we expected him to do better, but we never fully expected him to take over Rodri and become the number six in the team. It all it always felt like he would be that second choice midfielder. And with Nunez, although he's still got a lot to prove and he's done really he's done well in the past month or so, we still felt that when we brought him in, he would be a second choice number eight. So there are players I think that we're bringing in to play that second fiddle. And they probably know that. They probably realise that. I'd like to think anyway that they, they obviously if they play really well, then they might overtake someone. But in general, we've got that first choice and that second choice. And I think they tend to know it. So, yeah, whereas before, I think maybe um, five or six years ago, I can't remember us having that. I feel like we didn't really know who that that exact 11 was going to be. But I feel like we, we know it now. And, and we've actually signed people to a, to allow us to keep the squad happy rather than having a Raheem Sterling who's going to be really annoyed when he's not playing all the time because he thinks he deserves to play all the time and then he leaves. So I think we've got either either really young players like Bob who are happy to work their way into becoming the first choice in five or six years or we've got players that are just below the quality of a, a De Bruyne like Nunez. He knows he's never going to get in over De Bruyne so he's happy to sort of play when he can and try and fit in if there's injuries, etc. So I think we have got that two-tier system. I think it works quite quite well, you know, when you're trying to go for all the titles rather than um, just having everyone fighting for it and then being really angry or having a really small squad. I mean, I, as you know, I go to all Pep's press conferences and uh, one thing he was asked about quite a lot on Friday before this game, but also in, in previous weeks when Jack Grealish has had an injury, um, there have been... Uh, journalists in there who have one eye on England as well as one eye on City. And obviously there's European Championships coming up in the summer who are concerned that Grealish is, isn't fit. And they've been asking questions to Pep along the lines of, you know, what's Grealish got to do to play? Is, is it because he hasn't been picked as much as perhaps as consistently as he, he has been in the past? And Pep has said, without saying it directly, it's been a little bit reading between the lines, you know, he if he wants to get in that team, he has to get in on merit, which to me hints that he's not 100% happy with the contribution that Grealish has given. And he did actually <laughs> say, recently, he did actually say something like, um, he played better last season. We haven't seen that this season. You laugh there, Rodney. I mean, it, what, what what's your view on, on Pep's take on that? I mean, I know he's, he's injured Grealish, but when he's fit... Well, the reason I laugh, Ian, is because you, you, sometimes you've you got to look at things that happen at times they happen and don't get caught up in all, all the nonsense of the media and all the, all the bollocks, as I, as I like to call it. Don't get caught up in all that and look at little things individually. Um, an example was when Manchester City signed Doku, Jack Grealish was 100% fit. So he signed Doku, knowing that he's got Grealish, and Doku ain't going to come and sit on the bench. You know, he'd have had that conversation, in my opinion, right? So it was always, in my opinion, again, it was always preordained that when Doku comes in, he's going he's gonna to be on that, that left-hand side. And, and for, for, for your listeners... Uh, Ian, uh, haven't seen too much of him before he joined Man City. Go and look at his previous games at different clubs and different places. 
Doku, Jeremy Doku is a sensational footballer. And I agree that he's not been sensational for City, but he's been brought in over Jack Grealish, who's now got injury problems, and the manager's saying, well, he was better last year. You have to look at those things sometimes to get where it's going to go. And I think I know where it's going to go. And that is a £100 million player is going to go on the transfer market next season. So that is a worry for England, then, if he's if you don't think Grealish is living... He's got no the... chance. He's no? got no... Jack Grealish, is, in my opinion, again, has got no chance in starting for England. You've got Phil Foden, who I think is, is at the moment... And again, Ian, this is just my opinion. I'm, I'm not saying this is what it is. This is just how I see it, right? I think between um, Bellingham and Foden, who are both going to be playing for England, they are two of the best midfield players in the world right now. No, you, 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 see, you see I'm going with this. And it's, you're going to play Saka on the right-hand side. You're going to play Harry Kane up front. Where do you fit Jack Grealish into, into a team like that? I don't think you do. What do you two fellas think, Harlan? I think, sorry, Adam. I, I think on, on, I was just going to uh, talk about Jeremy Doku for a minute because obviously, you know, I'm sure Adam's got an opinion on Doku as well. We, we saw an awful lot of him in that in that first half today. Obviously, I know where Adam sits. He sits not far from me, an elevated view and, you're watching the lad, and you, you know you, you're almost willing him on, like you're pushing him on to try and take men on. And and it, it, it's two games in in a row now at home where I've 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 seen him. I said two, obviously Brentford in between, even, but two games, two big games, you would say, where I wanted him to run at Cole Palmer, and I wanted him to really take Palmer to the cleaners, and he didn't. He was very reluctant to do so. I look at him again today, and I'm you're asking questions of him, and he looks. He almost doesn't look like the player, Rodney, that we signed when he... And, and I, I, I back you, I watched him for, for uh, Belgium um, in the World Cup, thought he was electric, um, very, very quick, very, very, very direct, very, very pacey, a lot of tricks up his sleeve, loves to stop dead, re-accelerate, you know, a lot of step-overs in his, in his armoury and everything. But it all seems to have kind of gone back into the tool belt and the tool belt's been left at home for now. And I actually maybe think that as good as Pep is, sometimes with the intensity and with the, the demands of Pep to play a certain way and play within a certain system and do it as part of, as Ian always emphasises, the team ethic, I often sometimes feel like, you know, I've, I've seen you, Rodney, back in the day. I've watched videos of you playing. It doesn't seem to me, and we've had this discussion about Grealish two years ago, where I don't feel like Pep really enjoys maverick players that much. I don't think he enjoys handling maverick players to the extent where he knows that they're going to do their own thing on the pitch. But he contradicts himself by saying, my job's to get you to the final third and what you do in the final third is up to you. However, when, when Doku reaches yeah. the final third, he seems to check his run and play inside and redistribute the ball, as does Jack Grealish. So I am, I'm actually thinking with players like Doku that... As much as fans are getting frustrated, and yes, I, I'm a bit frustrated with Haaland, maybe. Other fans are frustrated with Doku. It's like Haaland, with the majority, will be defended. Doku right now is going to become the Mares of three years ago, the scapegoat player, if he's been brought in for big money. But, you know, he, he's overplaying, he's trying too much. He's trying to let a bit of flair out, but he knows the manager maybe doesn't want it. But he's also trying to make things happen, and he's he's getting frustrated, I think. Which would be the only only way that I think Grealish would get back in the side if Pep started to think that Doku was low on confidence. 
But what what yeah. is it about that? Is it is, is he being overly coached? Is he having the street football and nature taken out of him, Rodney? And then obviously you're a player qualified to talk about that because you did it. Mm. Um, again, it, it it's it's not as simple. Uh, you know, I I hear pundits and I hear journalists say, "Well, he's complete not not Doku." Generally speaking, about footballers, he's completely lacking in confidence, and and you know, and he shouldn't be doing this and he shouldn't be doing that. It's a lot. It's a lot more difficult than that. There are a lot more elements to being a good football player um, and confident, as you say. Um, with if you're making a comparison between Doku and Grealish, I think you look no you need to look no further than to say if it was a really big game. Now, now listen, there's another element, Alan. That's a great question, and I'll tell you why because you've taken me into another another corridor, and that is this weekend against Liverpool. You could argue it's the biggest game of the season. You could argue that, right? Does Doku play? Is Doku on the bench? Does, does Pep play with two holding midfield players instead of one? Um, does Julian Alvarez start? All those questions come into play to answer your question about Doku. My answer is no, Doku don't play. He wouldn't be in my starting lineup against Liverpool. What say you guys? Well, b- b- before they yeah. answer that question, that it's a good question, so let Adam come in on that in a second. Let me put this to you, uh, Rodney. Um, <clears throat> Peter Barnes, who was one of my heroes when I was growing up, was a natural winger who was fearless when he first came into the team, took yeah. everybody on, beat everybody, marvellous, marvellous player. And then after a year and a half, two years or whatever, people started to kick him a bit. And arguably, he also was sussed out a little bit in terms of what he was doing. So when Harlan yeah. talks about him having a trick and a cutback and a stopping and then accelerating from dead, they're all things that we've all seen. But also it means that on video, when the opposition assess City, they've seen it too. So do you think that the Doku problem is not because he hasn't got natural talent, because we can all see he's got natural <laughs> talent, but because he's he, everybody's worked him out. Is that is that a part of it? Um, it can be. I think it's a little bit early for that. I don't think he's been around long enough. Um, I, I would I would love to see. I mean, we all love the game. We we love Manchester City, right? I would if 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 I was. If I was Doku, now I don't know if he, if it, if the young man, this is his personality. If it was me in a similar position, you know what I would go and do? I would go and play as as a withdrawn centre forward during the game. I would just move from the left hand side and go and play in the middle, and see what happens, and, and change the game and change the defender's way of playing. So it's not that they've sussed him out. Maybe he's stuck out on that wing. <laughs> And he should be moved. I mean, look at Phil Foden today. His movement was the best I've seen for a long, long time of any footballer anywhere. He was in almost every position. If you look, if you watch the game, guys. I, I don't know if you agree with this. He was in almost every position in the game, in the field. He was on the right. He was on the left. He was up the middle. He was deep. He was left back. He chased back 45 yards once to tackle. I um, can't remember who it was. You remember the incident in the game? He, oh, he yeah. smacked. Yeah, Anthony, remember that? Anthony, wasn't it? Absolutely, it was Anthony. Absolutely correct. And I thought, wow, 
That's a proper player. Doku don't do that. Doku sort of sits out on the left-hand side and he kind of stuck out there. So whether or not he's getting sussed out, Ian, in that position, if it was me, I'd be switching over. Adam, I know you wanted to come in, so here's your yeah. moment. Yeah, I was really surprised when we signed Doku in the first place. I remember seeing um, a graph that some news outlet put on. It was talking about the... Uh, the take-ons that he'd gone for last season compared to the rest of the teams in Europe. And it was so high up there. And I was going, oh, I really want to sign this guy. I'd love to see him play for City because I was missing that sort of excitement of a winger, you know. Uh, Sane, went back to Sane, Aguero, Sterling days of having a traditional winger. So I was really the hoping we'd buy him, but I was like, there's no way we're going to go for him. Like, it'll just be a rumour. And then when we actually bought him, I was I was really surprised by it. Equally, really excited. And the first few weeks, he showed what I hoped that I would see from him, which was like taking everyone on no matter what, you know, just going for it. And then he's he's got shouted at by Pep a few times on the pitch from what I've seen. And then he's clearly got shouted at a lot on the training pitch probably too. And it just seems like Pep's taken the joy out of him a little bit. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously, I don't know that because I'm not on the training pitch and, you know, we love Pep and stuff, but I just feel like he's made him into more of a system player, just like Grealish, you know, at Aston Villa, he had that freedom to roam everywhere and he was more exciting, whereas the criticism of Grealish in the past two seasons is he's too boring, he turns back and he passes inside, etc. That gives us control and Pep wants control. And I think Pep would like to see more control from Doku. So, but in doing that, it takes away what makes Doku so great, the explosive explosive nature of his game. Um, so I've, I've been disappointed recently seeing him come in a lot of the times and stuff, but I bet Pep's applauding that and saying, oh, that's great, you know, it works really well. So maybe, you know, system-wise, that works really well, but what I want to see from him is is driving towards players and and, and really going for things. But then the, the alternative is, well, if he does that, you might not win as many trophies, so it might be more exciting and you might not win anything. So what would you rather do at the end of the season in May? Would you rather go, oh, Doku was really exciting. He scored 13 goals and got 10 assists. Oh, but we came third. Or would you go, go oh, oh, we won the treble, but Doku was more controlling. He, he looked a bit like Grealish last season. Because Grealish was not the most exciting player on the planet last season, but he was arguably one of the most important players in the system. And every time he plays this season, he always looks the best player on the park in the 20 minutes that he's fit, you know, um, then he goes off injured. But we always look better in those 20 minutes than we do the other 70. So, yeah. difficult because I want him to show that excitement and and really go for things. But equally, the way that Pep plays and the way that our system is set up, we really don't want that, that excitement. We, I don't think we can win the treble by being that exciting. We've become like City in 17-18. Maybe you win the Premier League, but you won't win the Champions League and you won't win the treble playing that way. It's too open and, and less less controlled, maybe. We've all, we've all agreed that Pep Guardiola is is you know a genius. And yeah. Rodney, you said you, you know, he'll go down as one of the greatest coaches in history. So I'd be interested to know at the moment you're watching a game like we do from the outside and enjoying what Pep does and reveling in the trophies and the success and, and the the beautiful um, I heard somebody, even a City fan, describe it as robotic City, the way that they are so efficient. I just wonder whether, when you were a player, Rodney, if Pep had been your coach, 
And if what Adam is saying is right in his, his message to Jack Grealish is, you know, you just concentrate on keeping possession, you know, I don't want you to do any of these these other things, you know, and, and that now that that's what's happened to Doku as well, that some of his flair's gone. Um, mm. How would you have felt as a as a player, you personally? Because, you know, people who've watched you play, I would imagine, like me, would think, I can't imagine Rodney would be at a court with that or want to, want to deal with Pep Guardiola as a coach. Yeah. The way I've always looked at that, um, both for myself and for other players that, what, that, I'm, that I'm looking at is, I believe in a very fundamental um, uh, aspect of being a football player. And that is, you have to produce. Sounds simple. Right. If you go out and you're playing as as I played, and I'm scoring a goal every three games, I'm having an assist every three games, and you keep on winning, I'm happy with how I'm playing. Right. I wouldn't be happy if 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 I'm like every, every five games I get a goal and every ten games I have an assist. You know. So you have to play in your own way for yourself. That was me. Okay. And I understand, I understand. Now, listen, I'm going to get a little bit controversial here. I hope you don't mind this. I had one of the biggest go-arounds in my life as a football player with Mike Doyle. Mike Doyle was the captain of Manchester City and a fantastic football player. But Mike Doyle never, ever liked the way I played. Now, you've got a problem with that, and that is... If two players in the same team trying to do the same win games and all that see the game completely different, you might have a problem. So, and we did have a problem. I've said that many, many times. If you're, if you're that type of a player that, that is a flair player and you're looking to do flairful things and you're looking to score and, and, and you're looking to do great things and you, you know, what's, what's, what they call it? You, you'll know this, guys. The young guys will know this. Maybe you won't, Ian. But in today's football, you, you know when the, a player goes goes down the, and he cuts inside and he puts his, his one leg behind the other leg and chips it across. What's that called? Oh, the bowler. Yeah, you're right. Thank you. Yeah. 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 I think there's nothing wrong with that. I think, I think if you can do that and get away with it, there's nothing wrong with that. I don't think Pep would like that too much. <laughs> you're right. So he, he doesn't, he doesn't encourage risky flair play risky no no but the thing is Ian the thing is like you you, I mean you've got you've got a messy and you You manage messy you've got a messy you're not you're not can't afford to drop him drop drop him you can't afford to let him go and you're certainly not going to tell him to stop being Lionel Messi are you so there's only a few players that Pep's probably encountered in his whole career where he's thought I've just got to let you be you uh there's there's nobody in this team that I think um he really looks at and thinks, you know, I, I can't tell you to stop stop being you. Yeah, um, don't, don't you think he does that with Kevin De Bruyne? Don't you think he gives him a, a completely free role? Because if if you ask me today, or in most matches when Kevin's fully fit yeah. and he's playing in a game, where is he playing? You know, you can't pitch, you, can, you don't say he's playing on the right or he's playing on the left or he's <laughs> playing in the middle. He actually just goes, seems anyway to me, to go wherever he wants. So he does have, allow that, doesn't he? I think I yeah. think that's Kevin De Bruyne the one, aren't you? Do you know what I mean? Like you, you know, you're the you're the you're the for me, Kevin Kevin has that USP, doesn't he? he picks the ball up, he drives, he's 
so adamant he's going to win the ball back. He's brilliant. Isn't, that, isn't that what Rodney's saying though? That if you know, as long as you have an end product, as long as you influence the game, and you, yeah. you know, that that you then you can you create the license for yourself. But then it depends how often you know what your success rate is for that. So Doku might score one goal by cutting in and, you know, taking on his man and putting it in the bottom corner. But then he might give it away five times before he does it. And he might concede three we might concede three goals from a counter attack by doing it. So I understand both ways, because you you've got to think about, yeah, your end product might be great, but actually if if it's only twenty five percent of the time and then you're leaving yourself open at the back, you know, three out of four times, then that can lead to obviously you you having a goal fest and you end up losing. So you got to think about the, obviously Pep's job is to think about the team, whereas Doku may, you know, more think about himself and a winger might think about themselves. I, like I say, I'd love for him to do that sort of thing. I'm much more, I, I love flair players, but I understand why Pep might want to restrict that for the overall control of the game. Yeah. No, can, I make a quick, can, can, can I make a quick point, please, on the, um, on Harlan's point about Sir Kevin, De, and your point, Ian, about Kevin De Bruyne. Okay, I agree completely with you. That's the way Kevin plays. He's 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 virtually a free player, right? He has the luxury of playing next to one of the most hardworking players I've ever seen in football, and that's Bernardo Silva, who runs yeah. his nuts off every game. And when yeah. and when Kevin De Bruyne maybe get caught out of position, who's the guy filling in for him? Who's the guy chasing? It's Bernardo Silva, who, who by the way. Never gets the credit he deserves, in my view. No, yeah, he's the he's the you're right, Rodney. He's the facilitator. You know, he he allows Kevin to go and do that job because Kevin Kevin has got someone that's probably half his size. He reminds me of Stuart Little on that film, <laughs> Bernardo Silva. He just runs around and just does all the work. And Kevin, just, he, he just like you said, he knows. And it goes back to the team thing you were talking about, Ian. The fact that players know they can lean on someone and rely on someone to look after them if they caught out of position. Kyle Walker's done that many times for the midfield uh, players in our team, you know, where they've given the ball away, trying to do something clever, trying to do something positive and penetrative. And Kyle's recovery pace and recovery runs have managed to get us out of trouble. A couple of times today, he nailed Rashford and Rashford was probably just thinking, come on, Kyle, we play for England together, just kind of get have a day off. Do you know what I mean? You're making me look really bad here. I'm already in for enough flat for me. He's like, don't, don't give me any more, do you know what I mean? But... um. Yeah, I, going back to Doku, I think I think he'd, he'd look better in a Liverpool team. Do you know what I mean? If he was playing for Liverpool, Doku, he'd score you 20-odd goals a season and probably pluck out 15 assists and he'd be getting Salah's numbers. He's a miles better all-round footballer than Mohamed Salah. Now, when people are saying, look at Mohamed Salah's statistics, you look at everything that he's got in his armoury, I think he's a better dribbler than Salah. I think that is, he, that, is that because because Doku is suited to counter attacking Liverpool? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tend to do uh, that yeah. a bit more. Yeah, absolutely. But I think you know, I think what we're overlooking here is here. Like we do play a very systematic brand of football, as Adams rightfully said. And I think that that's that's nailed on. We all know that. But there is opportunities for us against the likes of Tottenham over the years, and the likes of United and Chelsea. Um, you know, and, and against Liverpool. That when these teams come out, the, the, the big frustration for me is I know that fundamentally 60% to 70% of the time, 80% of the time, we're going to stick to our, our, our ours and Pep's philosophy and continue to persist and be relentless in how we play. 
But when teams come out, like United did at times today, when Rodney said they, was, they were sat in, they were, but then they, they ventured over the halfway line, players were out of position. There was opportunities, like we did against Luton, to play the penetrative pass, to get Kevin on the ball and to fizz Doku in. And and, and we, you can play a, a hybrid brand of football where the players don't think you're changing the style of football. It's just that when the opportunity to break at breakneck speed and target the likes of Doku, like Kevin used to target Sane with that quick direct left, left-sided left switch pass that, that we often so greatly um, benefited from, that we can do it. But then what we allow ourselves, uh, or sorry, what we allow the opposition to do is we'll recycle the ball, that one or extra, one or two extra passes allows them to slowly but surely get back into defensive shape and frustrating shape for us, and we miss the ball. So Doku could benefit from counter-attacks within this system, but players need to be aware that, you know, and, 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 and you know, I think Pep himself needs to be a bit freer in letting players other than Kevin De Bruyne play more riskier passes for great benefit, risk and high reward. All right, well, we'll finish the, the podcast with, with a quick look ahead to this Liverpool game because I'm, I'm almost dismissing Copenhagen in midweek as just a given, really. And, you know, 3-1 up from the first leg, exactly what everybody wanted, really, from that first leg. So I'll leave Rodney till the end because he, he's our special guest. Um, and this might be a relatively short answer, to be fair, uh, because we've sort of suggested that the team that played United in the derby probably will be more or less the team... Um, at Anfield, but but let's start with with you, Adam. I mean, what would you, you know, tell? Uh, let Let's assume that we're starting with that template of the eleven that played today. So, what changes would you make to that team, if any? I wouldn't. I'd keep it exactly the same. I'd, if Grealish was fit, I'd be playing Grealish and Doku for the control. But I think, I think we go there. Hmm, I don't. I don't want Doku in the team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I, if if it was down to me, and obviously I've really seen the team, but he's not fit. I don't think you can play Doku at Anfield. Actually, I just think he's far too he's far too risky. He doesn't keep the ball well enough. So I think you've got to bring another midfielder in. I think you bring Kovacic into the midfield, um, and then do what you want then with the front four. Um, but I think yeah, I think we need an extra midfielder in there against them. I just can't. But my worry is that. Pep hasn't really tried it. I thought he would have tried something in the, in the last game or so to suggest what he might do at Anfield, but I haven't really seen it. Maybe I've missed it, but I just, I'm not sure. I think he might go the same as today, but I hope he doesn't. I hope he leaves Doku out, like Rodney was saying earlier. Um, but, you know, like I say, it's a must-win game. Uh, well, it's a must-not-lose, I think, more than anything. Um, and with Doku on the pitch, we're much more likely to lose it than we are if we have an extra midfielder in there that's going to keep the ball. Um, I don't think any of the other players would be happy with Doku losing the ball a lot there. Um, we know how dangerous they are when they get the ball off us on the turnover. So, yeah, I wouldn't have Doku in there. I'd have an extra midfielder in there. And then whatever happens with the front, I don't really mind. I think I think we're, you know, we can be fluid. People can play out wide, then come into the centre sort of thing. But that Doku position is important for me and I think he shouldn't be on the pitch for it. So for you, to sum that all up, Doku, mm. uh, Kovacic for Doku? Yeah, ideally, yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think we've got to have an extra man in midfield. Harlan? Yeah, I get what Adam's saying about Jeremy. Um, the risk 
in in that game might be too high for a lot of fans. In fact, there'd be a few few fans probably having to take a step out of the room or or, or even go to the toilet during the game if he was to give the ball away a few times. Uh, probably a few ripping air out of the Adani as well. And that mean that to be on the floor and all sorts. But I, I actually on the other side of that because of how open the game's going to be and how expansive it's going to be, maybe it would play into his hands more. So there'd be more space for him to attack. I, I'd love it more if we played beyond Doku than to, to than to Doku's feet. I think if you give him the ball to feet, he's got much more chance of losing it. If you spray him in behind, in between centre-half and full-back, you know, let's not forget that Alexander-Arnold's injured. Conor Bradley, obviously, I watched at... Uh, 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 what, 40 times last season at Bolton, home and away. Very, very, very good going forward. Quite a good defender, but will play high and wide. There'll be loads of space for Doku to attack down that left-hand side, but maybe look to play the ball beyond him for him to run onto. And you've almost done half his job for him. Then he's got 30, 40 yards to dribble the ball, and there's not many players going to catch him. That's the only flip side to, to, flip side to what Adam's saying. But I, I, I do agree, Pep will want to control the game. The only the only problem with that is, um, you know, if we if we're overly if we're overly focused on controlling the game, we might get caught if we're not creating enough chances on the front foot, where like clear cut chances when when there is space to attack and, and exploit in the Liverpool armory, and as a result of that, we that one time we do lose the ball as we sometimes happen against them and Spurs will be the one time that you just know they'll punish us. So it, it's one of them. It, for me, I, I'd, I'd, I get where Adam's coming from. I'd stick with Doku though, just for now. I think the extra, the extra midfielder in there might make it a bit too cautious for me. So the same eleven then. Uh, well, yeah. with thanks to uh, Counting King, who I mentioned a little earlier on, who are experts in their field, and to Amar Development for their support. The last word goes to to Rodney in this podcast. Um, what would you do, Rodney? Same eleven, or would you tweak it? No, I would tweak it. Um, I thought I thought the two best players on the field today, personally speaking, I thought were Phil Foden and Rodri in midfield. I thought Rodri was sensational today. Uh, nobody's nobody's giving him. I've been reading online and all the mentions. Nobody's saying much about him, but I thought he was brilliant. Um, I think you play Stones alongside him. I would have Doku on the bench. And the player that I would bring in, and let's see on Sunday if this happens, I would play Alvarez in midfield. I would bring in Alvarez for Doku. Other than that, folks, um, there is a problem. The City do have a problem. Uh, I actually don't think City are going to win this game. I'm making a prediction. Um, I think it's more likely to be a draw. Um, but there's, there's a, a problem creeping in to Man City's defence. And that is, I thought last year that Ruben Diaz was one of the best defenders in the world, in my opinion. This year, he looks a little bit, at times, players running in behind him. And you've got Darwin Nunes, who he's not shy. He, he doesn't mind running in behind players. Um, that would be the area that I'd be looking to to see if, um, if that becomes a problem. So there you go. <clears throat> Well, let's hope you're wrong on that one. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Ian, I hope I'm wrong. <laughs> uh, well, thanks very much. I'll be with Rodney on Sirius on, at um, 
four o'clock Eastern time on Tuesday. So give that a listen if you're in the States so you can get serious. But in the meantime, Rodney, as always, uh, it's an honour to have you on the podcast. Really appreciate it. Uh, thanks very much to Harlan and to Adam as well. And to everybody Cheers. who listens and thanks Cheers, for mate. the support and retweets and all the rest of it. And, um, and of course, after you've just beaten United 3-1, it doesn't get any better than this, does it? It is great <laughs> to be a blue. <laughs>